The book of Ephesians chapter number 2 this morning, we're going to begin reading with verse number 4. The book of Ephesians chapter number 2 began reading with verse number 4. The Bible says, but God. Wow, there's a message right there. I think we'll just stop and preach that a while. No, I guess we'll keep going. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I want you to notice in that little passage that I just read to you, it says, by grace you have been saved. Then in verse 7 it says, the exceeding riches of his grace, and verse 8 again, for by grace You have been saved through faith. This morning I want to talk to you about the truth about grace. The truth about grace. Father, I am so grateful and so thankful today for for the grace of God. God, without the grace of God, we do not have a chance. But I thank you that your grace is available to us today. And great is that grace. God, let your anointing rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, give us ears to hear the word of God today. Let us hear everything that is presented today. Lord, do your work by your Holy Spirit today, we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Grace is a hot topic these days. Songs are being sung about it. Sermons are being preached. Books are being written. Hey, a couple of years ago, I I believe God spoke to my heart and said, call your church the grace place. It just seems to me that God picks certain doctrines or certain things or certain themes and he chooses to, to emphasize for a particular time. It just seems that way to me. Not that, that, that it's more important than anything else. It's just what God seems to be focusing on at that particular time. Some of you are old enough to remember when the focus was on the healing ministry. And it was all about healing and, and people would, would flock to the big, to the big tents and, and they would stand in lines and, and God would, would use men and, and, and miracles would, would happen and healings would take place. Some of you will remember the charismatic renewal when, when, when the Baptist and the Methodist and, and, and all of the other denominations were, were baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and, and the charismatic renewal. Then comes along the faith movement. And and everything is all about faith. And then then it seems to be uh, the praise and and worship emphasis. And everything everything was all about praise and, and all about 
about worship. And then came the revivals like, like, like Brownsville and Toronto and, and, and other, other well-known revivals. Well, it just seems like today much is being emphasized about grace. Now, with every new emphasis comes extremes. There were extremes in the healing revival. There were certainly extremes in the charismatic renewal. There were extremes in the faith movement and so on and so forth and the revival movements. Because with every new emphasis comes extremes. People take good, solid, balanced biblical teaching and take it to the extreme. And so it is with the grace message today. There are many misconceptions about grace. Perhaps this is one of the most misunderstood doctrines of the Bible. Now, let me be clear this morning. I am certainly not setting myself up as some kind of expert today. And yet the fact remains that the name of our church is the Grace Place. And so because the name of our church is the Grace Place, I feel it is my responsibility to clarify. It is my responsibility to make clear what we mean and how we define this doctrine of grace here at the Grace Place. Well, this morning I want to talk about what grace does, but I also want to talk about what grace does not do. So let's get started this morning. Let's talk a little bit about what grace does. Let me suggest three things. First of all, grace offers unconditional love. Unconditional love. Now, now we all know that that human love is totally conditional. We tend to love those who love us back. Human love can come and, and it can go, depending on how one is being treated or how one just happens to feel at the time. It can be hot, it can be cold, it can be on, it can be off, it can be up, it can be down. Human love is very conditional. A child loves its parents. Why? Because their parents feeds them, clothes them, gives them a warm place to stay, takes care of them. Two people stand at an altar in a church and they declare, oh, to love one another till death do us part, and yet one half of them will not even make it to the five-year mark. Human love is conditional. It's based on how a person looks, how a person acts, how a person performs. But through grace, God offers to man unconditional love. Ephesians 2 and 4 says, because of his great love with which he loved us. Verse 9 said, it's not of works lest anyone could boast. So what does grace do? Grace is God's offer of unconditional love. Love. You say, well, Pastor, what does unconditional means? Are you ready? It's deep. I'm known for my depth. What does unconditional mean? It means that there are no conditions to meet. Isn't that good? 
I worked hard on that one. Hey, God doesn't say do this, 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 and that, and I will love you if you'll look this way, if you'll act this way, if you'll do these certain things. Oh, God doesn't say if you look and act and do, then I'll love you. No, God says through grace, no matter how you look, no matter how you act, and no matter what you do, I love you. Let me tell you this morning that no matter... What you look like, no matter what you act like, no matter what you do or don't do, you cannot make God love you anymore, and you cannot make God love you any less. Pastor, that's crazy. No, that's grace. Grace is freely given, unmerited love and favor. Grace is God doing for you and offering to you what you do not deserve. You see, God doesn't just love me when I'm good, and He doesn't stop loving me when I'm bad. 1 Corinthians 13. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, perfect love is described. And no one has perfect love besides God. This love described in in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's that agape or that God kind and that God quality of love. And that God kind and God quality of love, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, love is long-suffering. I don't know about you, I'm pretty good on short-suffering. I have a lot of heart, a lot of problems with the long-suffering. He said in verse 8, love never fails. Talking about what grace does. First of all, it offers unconditional love. Number two, It offers unlimited forgiveness. Unlimited forgiveness. Now, there's a saying that says, uh, burn me once, uh, shame on me. Burn me twice. No, I said it wrong. Burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. And that certainly describes man, because man has a limit on forgiveness. Now, now for some it might be once, for others it might be two times, it might be three times. Peter asked Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22, he asked Jesus, he said, he said, Jesus, he said, he said, how often should I be willing to offer forgiveness to somebody and uh, um, say maybe seven times? Hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Maybe, maybe, maybe seven times? And no doubt Peter thought that he was being very generous with this offer. Fact of the matter is, if I could be totally honest with you, to, to forgive the same person seven times for the same offense seems more than generous to me. But Jesus doesn't see it that way. He doesn't see it the way that I see it. He seldom does. Jesus said to Peter, no, Pete. Not not seven times. Try 70 times seven. Peter thinks he's being generous. I'll forgive seven times. Jesus said, no, multiply that seven by 70 And no, Jesus wasn't 
putting 490 as the limit of forgiveness. He was saying that as often as somebody needs forgiveness, that is the limit. Or in other words, he was saying there is no limit to forgiveness. Now, common reasoning, and I just operate most of my life like this. Common reasoning tells me that Jesus wouldn't require from us what he is not willing to do himself. And so that tells me that if Jesus told Peter, you got to forgive seven times, 70 times, or 490 times, or as often as somebody needs it, then that tells me that Jesus is willing to forgive me for seven times 70, or as often as I need forgiveness, he is willing to give it to me. What does grace do? It offers to us unlimited forgiveness. How many times will Jesus pick us up? As many times as we fall down. How many times will Jesus forgive us? As many times as we need forgiveness. Through grace, there is no limit to forgiveness. Maybe you're here this morning and you have unconfessed sin in your life and you want to repent. You have a desire to repent. You want to come clean with God. But you are afraid that God has grown weary with your continual and constant repenting and falling back into sin. And you are afraid that you have worn out your welcome with God. And you're afraid that he has grown tired of picking you back up only to see you fall back down again. And perhaps even, as Pastor Steve said in prayer time, perhaps the devil has lied to you and told you that you have gone too far and that there is no hope for you. That is a lie. God offers you unconditional love and unlimited forgiveness. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Appeared to who? To all men. Listen, all men would even include those that have abused God's gift of grace. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, God is long-suffering toward us. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Any and all would include the habitual offenders. Pastor, pastor, that's crazy. No, that's grace. That's grace. Grace offers unconditional love. It offers unlimited forgiveness. Number three this morning, it offers unparalleled provision. Unparalleled provision. Friend, nothing in all of the world can compare to grace. You see, it's by grace that I'm saved and it's by grace that I'm sustained. It's it's grace that gets me in, but it's grace that keeps me in. It's grace that gets me started in the race of salvation, but it is grace that is going to help me finish the race. Romans 3 and 24 said we are justified by His grace. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, my grace is sufficient for We've been talking about what grace does. 
Now let's talk a little bit this morning about what grace does not do. What grace does not do. You see, everybody wants to talk about what grace does. Few want to talk about what grace does not do. So let me suggest three things this morning that grace does not do. Number one, this morning, grace does not excuse sin. Grace does not excuse our sin. Will God forgive sin? Absolutely. Will God ignore and overlook and wink at sin? Absolutely not. Now, I'm talking about unconfessed and unrepented of sin right now. Understand that. Now, the Apostle Paul was the number one proponent of this doctrine called grace. He proposed salvation by grace and not by works. He declared that grace trumps sin. He declared that grace is more powerful than sin. He said in Romans 5 and 20, he said where sin abounds, he said grace does much more abound. He was saying that whatever the amount of sin might be, that God has a greater amount of grace to cover it. Write this down this morning. You can never out-sin God's grace. I like that. You can never out-sin God's grace. When Paul wrote this, he knew that he was opening a can of worms. When he said where, grace, where sin abounds, grace does much more about He knew he was opening a can of worms. He knew that people were going to use this as a license to sin. That's the reason some pastors will not preach the grace message today because they believe that they'll be giving their people a license to sin. When you leave here today, you will not have a license to sin. And so since Paul knew that he was opening a can of worms, he went on to write in Romans 6 and verse 1, he said, so if where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, he said, well, then we should continue to sin so grace can much more abound, right? He didn't wait for an answer. He answered his own question by saying, God forbid, or in other words, don't be ridiculous. I need you to get this this morning, right here, this, I need you to get it. Grace for our sins is activated through faith and repentance. Grace for our sins is activated through faith and repentance. God's grace is available to everybody. God is not willing that any should perish. God's grace is available to everybody, but it is only appropriated or distributed to those that place their faith and their trust and their confidence in what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross and to those who repent of their sins. 
Ephesians 2 and 8 says, by grace you have been saved. A lot of people forget what it says next. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Say through faith. By grace you've been saved through faith. Write this down. Our faith. Say our faith. Our faith activates God's grace. Our faith activates God's grace. Our faith doesn't create God's grace. God's grace is there, but it's only activated through faith. Hello? I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. I'm preaching so good, I'm going to take my own love offering here in a little bit. I bet I get more, more love than offering. Amen. Acts 2 and 38, repent. Say repent. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Grace is appropriated or distributed to those who place their faith, their trust, their confidence in Christ's finished work on the cross and to those that repent of their sins. I'm talking about what grace does not do today. Grace does not excuse sin. Hear me this morning and hear me clearly and hear me plain. You cannot practice habitual sin and expect to go to heaven. You cannot live any way that you please ignoring the black and white teachings of the Word of God and then expect God to look the other way and God to allow you into His heaven because you play the grace card. Last I looked, and it was this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, wherever that is. There it is. Do you not know? Say no. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not? Will what? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Do not be what? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Enough said? Talking about what grace does not do. Number two this morning, get ready. Grace does not exempt us from the consequences of sin. Grace does not exempt us from the consequences of sin. Sin has consequences. Let me tell you something you may not know. Even the sins that we repent of have consequences. Grace does not suspend or override the law of sowing and reaping. 
Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, Paul writes, Do not be deceived. There's that word again. Do not be deceived, Paul writes. God is not mocked. And whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Paul says here, don't be deceived. And I believe that many people are being deceived today. And even with this emphasis on grace today, I believe a lot of people are being deceived. People are being deceived today. They think they can sow all kinds of bad seeds. But because of grace and because they repent uh, and they cry out for grace, uh, then they think that these bad seeds will not produce a harvest because they said they were sorry and because they played the grace card. The truth is, If you repent, God will forgive you for anything that you do, for as many times as you mess up. But just because God forgives, that doesn't mean that he will suspend the law of sowing and reaping. If you sowed the seeds, there will be a harvest because that's the law. The law of the harvest is that if you plant something, if you sow something, you will reap something. And what you reap will be determined by what you sow. So whatever that you sow, that's the family you're going to reap from. Amen? It's one of God's laws, and grace does not undo that law. You see, the alcoholic that repents can be forgiven. Thank God. But if he kills somebody through a DWI, he's still going to have to go to jail. God is under no obligation to get him out of jail. More than likely, he's going. Yes, he's forgiven. But more than likely, he will still get cirrhosis of the liver. Because grace does not exempt us from the consequences of our sin. A husband or a or wife that commits adultery can be forgiven. Thank God they can be forgiven. Grace is available for them. But oh, just because they are forgiven, that doesn't mean that there will not be a harvest from the seeds that they have sown. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32 through 35. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy is a husband's fury, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give many
talking about what grace does not do. It does not exempt us from the consequences of sin. Some of you think, well, I can live any way I want. Ask God to forgive me and all will be well. Listen, God will forgive you. But whatever seeds you have sown, there's coming a harvest from those seeds. Amen. You can have a bad attitude. You can treat people ugly. You can rip people to shreds with your tongue. You can be a total jerk. And you can be forgiven. Because grace offers unlimited forgiveness. But you need to understand this, just because you are forgiven, just because there is grace available to you, grace does not undo the damage that you have done. And grace does not suspend or nullify the law of sowing and reaping. There will be a harvest to reap from those bad verbal seeds that you have sown. Truth of the matter is, this harvest will not only be reaped in this life, it will continue to be reaped in heaven. Matthew 12 and 36, Jesus said, But I say to you that for every idle word. How many? Every idle word. That leaves some of you out because I've heard you. And you're not on idle. You're on overdrive. So I guess you're out. You're okay, I guess. I Jesus said, I say to you that every idle word that men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, Paul writes and he says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. I always thought heaven was all good. Not till you get past the judgment seat. The Bible says God's going to wipe away every tear from their eye. How come? Because there's going to be some crying. No tears in heaven. No tears past the judgment seat. But there's going to be tears in heaven. Some of you just hope to just kind of get to heaven on the skirt tail of God's glory and maybe just somehow I'll just get there and once I get there it'll be all right. Still not going to be until you get past the judgment seat. Sure making myself popular this morning. That's why I preach the way I preach. That's why I tell you, you better be doing something for God. You better be giving and you better be going and you better be doing. Because you're going to answer. You're going to answer for every breath you ever took in this life. You're going to answer for every word you ever spoke in this life. You're going to answer for everything you did or did not do. It will not get us into heaven. It's only the blood of Jesus and grace through faith that gets us to heaven. But once we get there, we're still going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And for some of you, he's going to shake his head and say, why didn't you do something with what I gave you? That preacher yours preached till he was blue in the face, trying to get you to give and trying to get you to go and trying to get you to do. And you sat there and let it go in one ear and out the other and left saying, what a great message, and never did anything with it. 
Better get back over here. I'm nicer when I'm over here. See, the fact of the matter is grace gets us into heaven, but it doesn't exempt us from the consequences of our sins. Grace offers forgiveness, but it doesn't abolish the law of sowing and reaping. And notice the last thing that grace doesn't do, and then we're done this morning. Grace does not exceed our willingness to repent. Now, earlier I said that faith and repentance are the activators of grace. Grace is always available, but it is only activated through faith and repentance. Pastor, how do you know if a person has truly repented? Let me give you two clues. The first clue, true repentance requires a change in attitude. The proof that somebody has actually repented is their attitude changes. People that genuinely repent stop playing the blame game. They take ownership for their sin. People say they're in repentance, but they don't own their fault. They don't own their failure. And they play the blame game and roll it off to this one and roll it off to that one and roll it off to this and roll it off to that and roll it off to something else. Let me tell you, true repentance will show up in a person's changed attitude. If somebody's playing the blame game, it's a good indication they have not truly repented. Two clues to find out if someone's truly repentant. Number one, true repentance requires a change of attitude. Number two, true repentance requires a change in action. Paul said if anybody's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the old has become new. We understand that the word repent doesn't just mean, Lord, I'm sorry. No, the word repent actually means to turn around. It means to change direction. It literally means about face. You see, people who genuinely repent stop doing whatever it was they were doing that demanded repentance. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7 and 16, you will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. How do they act? How do they speak? What is their attitude? What are they involved in? My subject today is the truth about grace. And the truth of the matter is that, 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 that grace offers unconditional love. It offers unlimited forgiveness. It offers unparalleled provision. And isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? And everybody likes that part of grace. But there's another part of grace that few people talk about today. The rest of the truth is grace does not excuse our sin. And grace does not exempt us from the consequences of our sin. Even when we repent of it, there will still be consequences. The law of sowing and reaping. If you sowed, you're going to reap. Now, can God help you with that? Absolutely. Can God 
yeah, 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 yeah. But the truth of the matter is it's a law. What you sow, you're also going to reap. God forgives our sins, but there will still be a harvest produced from the seeds we've sown. God, grace does not exceed our willingness to repent. Grace is available to all, but grace is activated by faith and by repentance. Everyone standing with me this morning, please. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. No doubt in my heart today, this is a word for such a time as this. God, I pray, Lord, that everyone will hear all that I had to say today, not just bits and pieces. Oh, we are so incredibly grateful and thankful and totally dependent upon your grace. And we thank you for it. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all over this auditorium today, I wonder if you're here this morning. You are in need of saving grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. You're in need of saving grace today. You need Jesus Christ to save you. And you're willing to place your faith, your trust, and your confidence in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. Doing for you what you could not do for yourself. Doing for you what you did not deserve. You're willing today. And you're asking today. For saving grace. If that's, your hand, if that's you today. Lift your hand up and lift it up really high. And leave it up till I acknowledge. That you've raised it this morning. I'm looking all over this room this morning. Anyone. I'm in need of saving grace today. I need the Lord to save me today. And I. I want to trust his grace today, and I want to put my, play, my, my faith, my trust, and my confidence in what Jesus did for me on the cross for my salvation. Anybody, if your hand's up, wave it real, real big so I can see it. All right, I wonder this morning how many of you in this room today, you are in need of sustaining it is grace that gets us in, but it is grace and grace alone that will sustain us. God told the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace will sustain you. My grace will empower you. My grace will help you. How many in this room today, Pastor, I'm in need of, of the sustaining helping grace of God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all over this room. Thank you all over this room. Heavenly Father, I just pray today. God, I just believe in my heart that there's people in our congregation that have played the grace card. And they've taken grace much further than you intended it to be. Oh, we can never take it too far in the fact that, 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 that it's unlimited love and favor and all of that. But, but even though you forgive us, we still must reap a harvest from the seeds that we've sown. 
I just pray that you'll help each one today that's struggling, each one today that is, that is struggling in their faith or struggling in their walk with you. God, would you give them grace today, sustaining grace, helping grace, undergirding grace, powerful grace. See them through what they're going through today. In Jesus' name.